And okay, and Frank would never forgive me if I didn't tell you that the weather was brought to you. Actually, Frank's a very forgiving fellow. Uh, the weather brought to you by Frank Leo, your home sold, guaranteed. Frank Leo of Remax has a multi-million dollar marketing system to get sold, guaranteed, or Frank will buy it. Go to getleo.com and start packing. Let's get to our panel. The aforementioned John Burnside is here, Toronto City Councilor, journalist, co-founder of The Line, an online magazine, Matt Gurney, and Sabrina Nanji is with Queen's Park Observer. Good morning to everybody, and let's start with this business of uh, 911 waiting times. Um, Matt, I'll start with you on this one. We'll get to the City Councilor shortly. But I just, I, I have sort of this, um, you know, movie scenario of somebody hiding in a cupboard on the second floor, dialing 911 because somebody's coming at them with a gun, and they get, please hold. Oh, I mean, we don't need to do hypothetical scenarios. Some version of this happened with my family, uh, me. It wasn't as dramatic as that, uh, but what happened was that uh, my daughter had been alarmed. This is a few years ago, uh, more during the pandemic. My daughter, young, was alarmed because there was a man wandering around the outside of our house, looking through our windows, trying all the doors. My immediate assumption, obviously, was that someone was trying to break in. Um, but as soon as I went out to confront the guy, and obviously my wife had a phone ready to call 911, I realized very quickly that it was an elderly gentleman who was disoriented and lost. So that obviously is a, is a very different kind of situation. Uh, there were some language barriers, so I had a hard time communicating with the individual. Um, but I was able to figure out pretty quickly, and I, I've had Alzheimer's in my family. I knew what I was dealing with, and I called 911, and I was like, I've got an old guy, um, very disoriented. Oriented, uh, hard to communicate with. He's on my property. 911 took a while to answer. There was a delay answering, not a particularly long delay, but there was a delay. The real delay was that it took them almost an hour to actually send someone because of the overwhelming of the system. So whether or not it's someone picking up the phone or there actually being someone available to respond to your car, these are not new problems. These are old problems. These are problems that are getting worse. And these are really basic failures here. Like there's a lot of things that we can kind of look at government getting wrong and go, well, that's hard. This ought to be pretty easy. Yeah, Sabrina, I, I, you know, just to continue from that thought, I think there are certain things your government has to get right. Uh, the water has to be pure, the garbage has to be removed, and 911 should actually be answered. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is quite literally a matter of life and death in some situations. And I, I think it just shows how dire the situation is. I mean, 911 delays, no ambulances being available, like as soon as you call. These were typically problems that we've been hearing about in like rural and remote pockets of the province. And now it's, you know, come due in Toronto. Uh, I think one thing that stood out to me in this story is the fact that, uh, you know, police said that they were hiring a third party consulting firm to look into what's needed but i i think that cash would be better spent on actually hiring more people i don't know what a third party consultant could tell us that the auditor general hasn't already told us like we already know that one of the major factors here is that the service needs to hire more operators so i think they should really just skip to that point and, and get a move on already yeah john burnside i thought it was under john tory that we said okay we're going to hire this many more operators has that happened the problem is there there's a lot of churn what they call churn people coming and going. Uh, two things I'd like to say right off the top. Um, 
first off, no one cares until they need to care. Yeah. And that's a real problem. The second problem is over the years, and in real terms, the budget went down under Mayor Tory, uh, the police budget over the last 10 years. Um, but the, the other problem is that the police budget has become political. And it should be all about service levels. We, when we, we never talk about the fire budget. We just say, what is the service level we need? How do we fill it? So um, that's, you know, in terms of the 911 operators specifically, um, we all know, and we've heard lots of stories here on 1010 about people calling because their pizza was late or whatever yep. it is. Those ones should just be, they're a no-brainer. It's not 911. Here's your $20 um, charge on your cell phone bill, right? And that would really, I think, rein in some behavior. Um, but the, the, as I say, the big problem is that Toronto's actually done well. We have about 189 uh, police officers per 100,000, that's, so that's a per capita thing, versus Montreal that's 212. So to say that the police are, are bloated, I think is uh, a real, um, uh, it's a misnomer. Okay. Well, and we've drifted into our next topic on our agenda today, which is the police budget. And it's interesting you mentioned some numbers, because one of my big issues has always been I don't know what the the proper number of police officers for any given city is, and and I want my city to be safe, but I also find $1.2 billion a year on policing, there's got to be a better way. Well, yeah, but Toronto is growing, right? So it's, as a percentage of budget, I think we're like 8.7% of our overall budget. Vancouver's 20%. So by all comparators, we're actually quite low. Are there better ways to do things? Sure. Can the police do better? Sure. Like, for instance, a couple of years ago, I think during COVID, 10% of officers were off on uh, WSIB PTSD. That number's come down to 5%, but that's one in 20. You know, so you have 300 officers off at any one time. What is the plan to get them back on? So as much as I'm supportive of uh, having the right number of officers, uh, I also want to hold the police accountable. But yes, I think we need to figure out what that number is on a per capita basis and, and, and standardize it. And I think that would really take a lot of the guesswork and the naysaying out of it. Former Toronto Mayor John Sewell is going to be with us at 8.05 this morning. He's always been a very vocal critic of the police. Sabrina, I assume nothing, but I would imagine he's going to think that increasing the police budget is not a great idea. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Uh, and, you know, I think the numbers that we're hearing so far, it, it's true that the bill could even be higher, right, depending on what comes of negotiations over police salaries. And I'm not, you know, one of those people in the defund the, the, the police camp literally, but I do think, to the councillor's point, that we need better accountability and transparency here. And that includes a look at where this money is going exactly. I think that having more for training and dealing with folks experiencing mental health issues like that, that is something that's very important to the city right now. But I, I don't like I do think that we need a better look at the budget because I do agree that it, it makes sense that the budget would be going up, not only because, you know, Toronto's population is growing, but we're also seeing an, a rise in hate crimes, carjackings, you name it. I just think it's, you know, getting down to the fine print and the nitty gritty of like where exactly uh, is this money going and how are police using it is, is what council should really be looking closely at. Yeah. And Matt, I agree with Sabrina that you don't have to be a defund the police person to say, are we getting value for, for our dollar? 
I think, yeah, no, I, I, I think I'll, uh, I'm going to do the controversial radio thing, and I'm oh. going to just amiably agree with everything that's been said so far. Why, that's unacceptable. Yeah, I know. I apologize. I feel like I'm letting the team down by thinking you're all right. Um, but no, what I would honestly say is that one of the things we've gotten into the habit of doing in the city, and it ain't new, we've been doing this for a long time, is that instead of looking at what we are asking the police to do, and then figuring out the kind of resources they would need to do that in terms of obviously personnel, but also equipment, training, bureaucratic support, logistics. We're basically looking at how much money we spent on them last year and then concluding on uh, an individual basis times three million. How do we feel about that number? And that's a really stupid way to budget, but it also seems to be the Toronto way. I think to Sabrina's point, there needs to be accountability, and I'm not a defund the police guy either, but I've got all kinds of time to having conversations about whether or not we're using police resources appropriately here. But that's that's a complicated thing to do. That's a difficult thing to do. It's logistically hard, and I think also it's politically hard. So instead, we just have these incremental fights each and every year about whether or not the budget should go slightly up or slightly down. And then we're shocked that the problems don't go away, and you call 911 and no one answers. Okay, so let's listen in to the Canadian anthem being sung in Punjabi before the Winnipeg Jets game this weekend. a general taste of things. Sabrina, on the weekend, immediately in the aftermath of this, I was looking at Twitter and people thought it was the end of the world. And then I just, you know, I went out, I, I just put O Canada in German. And of course, I got 100 returns. So I sent them one of that and said, how do you like them apples? But it seems a lot of people are very unhappy about this. Yeah, that's really surprising to me. I I loved this, um, and especially for something like our national pastime of hockey that has you know faced criticism for typically being the domain of white men. I mean, I love this this inclusive move from the NHL. Let's do the anthem in more languages, and I think you know this is something that Canadians wherever you're from really you know and wherever your background is canadians of all stripes are are like love hockey and so let's get more folks on side and i think we should do this in more languages yeah well matt gurney i started googling around and finally i said oh canada in swahili and it's there yeah of course it's there like we're we're a highly multicultural country we've encouraged uh, diasporas to maintain their languages and their traditions i i don't know i think maybe in this way i, I might be a little bit off uh, all kidding aside the consensus here i don't, I don't care very much about these things like i'm kind of just amiably um uh copacetic with anything we want to sing the language in a billion language uh, sorry the anthem in a billion languages i'm here for it like i i just i don't get that passionate about it but john i will say to your point about some people being angry about this that to me is just an immediate easy response some people are angry about this some people are jerks like, it, it really is that simple. I'm not going to waste any time thinking about people who are angry that someone who is new to this country and has a beautiful singing voice chose to sing the anthem in a language that her people would understand. That's a really stupid thing to get angry about and a plague on all their houses. Yeah, okay, John Burnside, quick thoughts. Uh, first of all, I, I promise not to be uh, lexophanic today, which is the use... <laughs> of pretentious words and language. That's perfect. 
Wow, that's meta-irony. Uh, well, I went down a rabbit hole because it said uh, lexophanic is recond recondite, or recond and I didn't know what that word was, so then I looked at recondite, and it was obtruse, and anyway. Um, so um, here's the thing. It's a business decision. Uh, I don't think we need to get all tangled up in this. About 10 years ago, I was at a game, and I looked around me, and it was all white people. And I said, the NHL has problems here or will have problems because, you know, half the, half the country is, is non-white and they need to fill those seats. So this is a business decision, plain and simple. Okay, almost no uh, time left on the clock, but uh, Mac Gurney, Canada will basically compel you to own an electric car by 2035. Objections? Uh, no, but all kinds of skepticism. This seems <laughs> like the sort of thing we're going to punt 10 times. Okay, and we are out of racetrack, so my thanks to you all, Sabrina and Angie, Matt Gurney, and John Burnside, with his many words, I might add. I had not come across that one before. It's hard to stump you, believe me. It's very difficult. Well, my mother was a proofreader, my dad was a writer. Uh, coming up in the next hour, John Sewell will be here to weigh in on the police budget. Patty Lovett-Reed is going to join us at 8.35 this morning. Looking forward to that conversation, because I always like a good lifestyle story. And this one is about how Gen Z or Gen Z, however you want to say it, basically people between 18 and 26 aren't saving money. And who can blame them? There's, you know, <laughs> there's almost no opportunity to do so. But what they are spending on is experiences. <laughs>